Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. Well, hello and welcome to Market View. And we have on the line today with us Mr. Vishnu Varatan, Head of Economics and Strategy of Asia at Mitsuo Bank. Okay, hello, Vishnu. Hi, Melissa. Thank you for joining us here on Money FM 89.3. Okay, let's dive right into it. There's several easing of COVID-19 restrictions today, uh, including uh, Japan increasing its daily cap for visitors, uh, South Korea restarting its issuance of tourist visas after two years, and Shanghai uh, starting its full reopening today in low-risk areas. So how do you see all that playing a role in today's markets in the region, if at all? Well, I think, uh, you know, from, from a wider narrative uh, beyond market, uh, this is encouraging because it does tell us that the uh, recovery has got scope to continue uh, based on a resumption of activity. And certainly there are some synergies as more, more centres open up in, in terms of travel hospitality, so on and so forth. And from the market's point of view, I think uh, there will be some optimism that uh, the, you know, the growth offset will be coming through. Uh, the warning here or the caveat here, however, is uh, that as much as we derive relief from factors like uh, China reopening, uh, alleviating supply chain crunch, issues as, as well as uh, you know, corresponding to, to the China PMI's bottoming, uh, in a market that's uh, fixated on inflation, one of the uh, unintended byproducts of this could be uh, markets could also be somewhat cognizant of the fact that uh, demand also sprouting up at the same time may mean that central bankers, including the Federal Reserve, may have to do more to respond uh, to the price pressures that typically tend to follow uh, whenever demand is right. Right. Well, Shanghai has been under strict lockdown for almost two months. Um, how much has the lockdown impacted China's economy? We're talking about China, right? I know we've always, you know, been discussing how, you know, the lockdown has affected us. But what about China, the Chinese economy? Has, there, has it made any sort of a dent in its economy? As understatements go, we can, yeah, we can, we can refer to the dent. Um, <laughs> okay. And there are two aspects. I mean, there's one very basic arithmetic aspect to it. Uh, if, if Shanghai and other major centres account for about a quarter to a third of the GDP output, uh, you know, any seizure in activity means that uh, you get that much of value at knocked off from the economy. So that, that's that aspect of real-time um, uh, activity suspension that results in, in, in growth being suspended uh, and, and, and also growth being diminished. Then there's the longer-term effect because uh, if one starts thinking about the policy of, of lockdowns as a response to outbreaks, then one also needs to uh, brace uh, uh, you know, the, the views for the fact that you know, China could have a, a pretty stuttering recovery this year uh, and so be nowhere near uh, de- their growth targets. In fact, maybe at very subpar levels, which is what drove markets to perhaps some parts of markets to even start predicting sub-4% growth for 2022. Uh, and perhaps the most pernicious thing about this could be if it erodes confidence on the ground, even after reopening, consumers and businesses may be more guarded about spending, and that could be an unintended holdback factor. So those, were, those are the impacts that we could have expected uh, and this is exactly why there's some relief uh, as, mm. as measures evolve. Mm. Okay. Well, now let's move on a bit to, well, you know, a country that considers China its rival, direct rival. <laughs> okay, U.S. <laughs> President Joe Biden okay, has met Fed Chair Jerome Powell for talks on uh, their economy, 
as uh, inflation, you know, takes a big bite, uh, for, you know, as, as it is for the rest of the world uh, there. Um, Mr. Biden has vowed to give Mr. Powell space to fight inflation. Now, what exactly does this mean? Um, and how do you see that playing uh, some effect in our our part of the world. Uh, that depends on whether you take the view of the uh, uh, of the believer or the cynic. So the believer here is going to say that this is showing that uh, you know the uh, the government and the central bank, whilst allowing the central bank to maintain independence, can work together. And a, a clear example here would be uh, you know uh, President Biden saying that you know we are not against the rate hike and doing their part on on say for example on the energy front. Uh, to induce oil, oil producers to, to get their rigs going again and, and hence dampen some of the inflationary impact. The cynic could take the view that this is partly some deflection ahead of the midterms uh, where President Biden is seen giving all the room for the Fed and if inflation is not under control, there's the ability to deflect some blame. One way or another, it does tell us that on, 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 on a very united front, inflation mm. is the number one concern. Mm, mm. But um, the economy is also every politician, every American politician especially is uh, a number one concern, right? So how <laughs> how much do you think Mr. Biden will be able to sit on his hands and let Jerome, sorry, not my friend, Mr. Powell do his thing? Uh, I think that, uh, I mean, the, the view that I take on this is, is perhaps giving blessings for what has been priced in by the market. Mm, mm. So we probably can do whatever they're doing now with the quantitative tightening, the couple of 50 basis point hikes, so on and so forth. Uh, my sense is that the Fed has got, free, uh, got a lot of uh, room to wiggle all the way through to the end of the year. But beyond mm. that, any structuring in the economy uh, could cause, uh, you know, even the Fed to think about its own plan. Mm, okay, let's switch gears now. Um, and to do that, we actually need oil. <laughs> okay. With uh, the EU's recent ban on Russian oil, uh, can we expect prices, uh, oil prices, to continue to rise? I, I love the pun. And uh, <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely we can. Mm. I mean, mm. uh, you know, no matter what view we take, I think it just uh, boils down to this. Oil is fungible and, and to... The greater the extent of sanctions or restrictions, uh, someone will have to bear the cost. Mm. Uh, and usually the pain is spread uh, on consumers globally uh, because there mm. would be knock-on impact. But mm. the biggest impact, of course, is going to be for the Eurozone. Okay. But um, if we look at it, um, you know, uh, in the medium term, at least, I don't know what, depending on your horizon, right? Okay, let's just say for the rest of the year. I think two months ago when... when um, the conflict first started, a lot of people were very, very concerned, right? So we saw a lot of fluctuations uh, in the market. Uh, and currently, would you say that the stock market has more or less um, gotten acclimatized to the fact that this conflict is going on and, and we're unlikely to see more volatility because uh, of the conflict? Uh, I mean, that's a good point. And um, as unpalatable as it is to sound dismissive about it, uh, I, I would have to agree and say that I, I think markets, uh, in so far, uh, uh, they are pricing in geopolitical risks that would affect them, have mostly incorporated this risk. So, touch wood, unless mm. this then spreads out into a pan-European uh, type of conflict, mm. uh, markets are probably not going to be, uh, you know, knocked off the, the, the chairs. But uh, we do have other headwinds, including inflation and, and the Fed. A reduction of money supply mm. uh, via the mm. balance sheet reduction. So we, we still have headwinds and volatility in the market mm. to look for, even mm. if geopolitics is not at the top of the list. Mm. Mm. Okay, but um, sorry to press you a bit more on, on this. And, and usually I do not like hypothetical questions, but in this case, what would it take then? Um, what kind of development would it take 
then for this to become, for this U.S., uh, not U.S., Russian-Ukraine conflict to again make its presence really felt uh, among investors? I, I'll give you a hypothetical answer okay. with, a, uh, with apologies up front. Uh, so that, I think that, that, can, that we can uh, expect two elements of it. One is the indirect impact of it, particularly on, on commodity markets. Uh, so if we do expect that uh, due to the knock-on impact of this, we are going to see further disruptions uh, to, to commodity and energy than we had initially envisaged, then that would be one element that can uh, you know, uh, get markets, catch markets on the wrong foot. Mm. Uh, the other one is, is a far more tragic consequence where the actual conflict widens beyond just Ukraine and becomes a bit more mm. of a pan-European conflict. I think that would be a, a far bigger shock uh, mm. because you would get worst-case scenarios being mm. priced in, and then mm. that's probably where you'll see dislocations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so far, I think uh, Ukraine's allies have all said they're not sending troops in. So barring developments on that front as well, new developments, that is, or change of mind, then, you know, uh, like what you said, you know, it's, it's probably all, you know, absorbed or, or internalised already uh, in the markets. Okay, now let's come back to Singapore. Uh, what do you make uh, of uh, Deputy Prime Minister Heng Swee Keat's uh, very, very clear, unambiguous warning yesterday to retail investors? He said to avoid cryptocurrency. He was speaking at the Asia Tech Summit uh, yesterday. What do you think? Um, I mean, in, in a nutshell, it couldn't have come sooner. Mm. Uh, we, we are facing you know, unprecedented volatility in the market. Mm. Uh, you, we are going to see much higher interest rates on uh, technically zero-yielding uh, quote-unquote assets, mm. uh, which are somewhat speculative in nature once we, we remove some of the hype around it. Uh, and, and we're also going to see the other biggest thing, which is uh, the U.S. Uh, Federal Reserve is going to reduce the supply uh, of U.S. dollars. Mm. And so one key proposition for cryptocurrencies is that if fiat currencies are being debased, this is one way to ensure your value preservation. Mm. But then now that the, uh, it's the exact opposite of debasing the U.S. dollar, you're reducing its supply, that may not go down very well. And the whole mm. idea of cheap money to fund all of this. Mm. Uh, and, and we know many, many coins multiply, right? We get different, mm. different coins coming up. So it's not going to be very good for the overall ecosystem. And I think that warning is warranted mm. uh, and timely. Mm. Mm. Actually, if we think about it, um, the government stand on cryptocurrency has been actually very consistent. So his warning is not exactly new, right? Because MES takes a fairly conservative uh, and very, very prudent approach uh, to introducing cryptocurrency. Uh, absolutely. And, and we have to distinguish between CBDC, the central bank-backed uh, uh, digital currencies versus uh, those minted by private establishments. We, we know many private entities is in their interest to try to mm-hmm. issue money, mm-hmm. uh, but that usually hasn't ended in, uh, ended well historically. Mm-hmm. Mm. But um, maybe going forward, when it comes to you know digital uh, assets, right? What are you looking forward to uh, in Singapore? I, I think in in terms of the the technology behind it, uh, as as well as. Uh, ex- exploring how this translates uh, I- into, and I'm using this term without knowing what it fully means, meta and, and things like that uh, in the digital space. Mm. Uh, I-, I think that is where some of the interest lies, the innovation and, and the ideation behind it, uh, rather than blindly chasing the next shiny thing uh, in that space, because I, I think that there's still some discovery process going on, and usually that involves price discovery that, can, that may be somewhat turbulent.
And I can confess to you, Vishnu, that I'm listening to you without also complete understanding <laughs> of the whole you know, picture. Okay. Well, uh, Vishnu, thank you so much uh, for your insight and information. I really appreciate you taking time out from your usual business day at Mizuho Bank to talk to us. Pleasure is mine. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much, Vishnu. We've been speaking with Vishnu Varatan, Head of Economics and Strategy of Asia at Mizuho Bank on Market View. Do stay with us right here on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.